long that. time. So a lot of big moments. All right, we'll come back. We're wide open the rest of the way. Always. And uh, you know, you just it just felt like everything was falling into place despite the the injuries that we had. I think to a man, coaches, players. I think for the fans, I really truly felt that we were going to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, it just felt that way. Of course, the uh, the home games were. Uh, something I'll never forget in terms of the intensity of the crowd, the play, <clears throat> the outside atmosphere on on Broadway, and all the fans that you know poured downtown to to watch the game uh, on the sc- uh, screen or something like that. It was just, as I've said many times recently, it you know, I certainly had certain visions of how I would want things to turn out with the the franchise, and I guess you'd say the the connection between the the city and the and the fans and the players, and it seemed to me. In that week or so in the Stanley Cup Finals, it was all there in one. It was a collage of a whole bunch of different uh, different pictures, and you know, so the memories are all great. I mean, the, the toughest parts, of course, are you know what happened in uh, you know in my mind, games one and, and games six when we you know we were on the roll. We clearly uh, were the best team in game one in in Pittsburgh, and uh, you know we we uh, we scored a goal early in the game that was disallowed on an offside, which. You know, to this day, I still don't think it was offside. Um, and then, you know, we went a long stretch where they're, they're, we had them on the ropes that whole game. I think they went almost 30 minutes without a shot and goal, if mm-hmm. you can believe that. And then they, again, still scored a, you know, really nice goal on, on, on Peck, and they they, had, they won that first game. And then, of course, in game six, so, you know, it was a, a nail writer to get, you know, right down to it. And uh, Hornquist scores with, you know, a couple minutes to go. But before that, you know, Sissions, uh, scored a, a goal that was disallowed because the referee was in a position where he did not see that the, the goaltender looked like he had the puck from the referee's vantage point, but he'd never had it. And, you know, so you get three quarters of our building sees the puck there in an empty net goal, and the most important person in the building, and maybe one of the few people that didn't see it, was the referee. And that's that's the kind of stuff that uh, you know I, I wish didn't didn't happen. But uh, you know, the Penguins, uh, you know, are top top team, Sidney Crosby and. All, all that comes with the, you know, the Penguins in these to the last, you know, 18 years. I think he's, he's been there. You know, they've had some great runs, and it would have been great for us to win. But that was the best, uh, best, best run the Predators ever had, of course. What happens whenever you, you have those conversations that you had, and you're not going to change the outcome of the game? They're not going to come back and be like, hey, wait a minute, we we goofed on that. Uh, we are awarding the Predators that game. Because you brought up the two examples, <laughs> games one and six were atrocious calls. They just they were and effectively determined the outcome. They did, they just did. I, I guess game one maybe is a little bit premature because you're not sure how it was going to play out after that. But it certainly affected the game tremendously. Game six, there's there's just no doubt, right? So when you have those discussions, and I know Peter Laviolette was furious, especially in game one in Pittsburgh over that. And when you talk to, I guess, the people that you have to talk to, the league, uh, the whoever runs the officials, like what do you get back from them whenever even they know maybe, do they admit that they're wrong? Or how does that dynamic work when you have those behind-the-scenes conversations? Well, I think it's probably frustrating to be very honest with everybody because they're, for the most part, uh, you know, standing up for the officials and for what they called, and even if they they made a mistake, they they can't undo it, as you as you said. So, on, on both of those situations, the offside one was, you know, this it's it's if you look at it this day, I mean, 
it's such a thin line as to what you you know you you see even in the most high definition cameras it's you kind of splitting splitting hair so you know it's it's certainly could have been a call that they could have said no that's they could have taken our side but they didn't hmm. uh the other on the other one with the, the goaltending situation i mean the referee was in a position where he didn't see the puck mm-hmm. i mean it's this is it's a mistake so i think uh, you know basically they say it he should he shouldn't have blown it the whistle mm-hmm. but they can't undo it and he didn't see it and i'm sure to this day the referee uh feels the same the same way wherever he, Every time, I mean, there's certain things that have probably happened in his career that he wished that he could have a do-over. Uh, so, yeah, again, maybe I shouldn't even have mentioned all those things, but, you know, it's just, I think that's just how close the, the games are. And I, yeah. I, I am, for one, I believe that, you know, the best teams win, yes, but I think there's a degree of, uh, of luck or what have you, you know, in, you know, in, in games, uh, uh, you know, guys hit, hit posts or, you know, a guy makes a, a fabulous save or what have you, or it's a, a deflection, there's, there's a little bit of luck that goes into sports. I, I hope you all agree with, with, with that. So, um, um, again, I'm not, on, the, on the bigger picture over our franchise history, I don't have a lot to complain about in terms of officiating, so I certainly don't want to go down that, that road. But, you know, that was our highest moment, and, uh, you know, we, we needed to be good, but, uh, you know, we needed to get a break like, uh, like Pittsburgh got in those two calls. Yeah. Um, Justin and I were in this market covering the teams, a part of this, just, just like you. And the the two biggest things that have ever happened in this market was very, very early on in having professional teams was the Titans making their run to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And then the city was growing and growing. And then, you know, the city had already began their explosion whenever the Predators made their, their unbelievable run to what we're talking about, to the Stanley Cup final. And to see what this town turned into to what really the hockey world turned into David did it even surprise you for a guy that's been around the sport and not only just in this market but other markets for it to see Nashville be on center stage everywhere did it even surprise you or no well of, of course i mean you certain things that you want as i said you know visions that you have dreams that you 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 have but what i I didn't know, not having been to Nashville before I came here, is all the potential of the city, meaning the location of the arena. Mm-hmm. I mean, real estate, what's the most important thing? Location, location, location. The entertainment centers that were right downtown, the Music City part of it with all of the, the great stars. And, I mean, how, how much bigger has country uh, uh, music grown in the United States and the world since we, we've been here? I mean, I think in a lot of ways we're on the same same track. So, and then, then it, as our franchise went along, we there were certain, I'd say, milestones. They say defining moments or what have you. The '03 draft, when we drafted Shea Weber and Suter and uh, <clears throat> Kevin Klein, players like that. Plus, it was in Nashville, and how the building was virtually sold out, and everybody came here, you know, from the United States and Europe, you know, parents, you know, young players, whatever. So we started to become a destination. The 2016 All Star Game. When in the three and three format, it snowed the week before, and then miraculously the weather just turned very pleasant, and all the events were held outside except for the game in Bridgestone Arena, and everybody had a fabulous time here. Again, players, uh, you know, uh, parents, media, uh, and again, put it on. You know, Nashville gets to throw an event, and all of these other 
other things, the Stanley Cup Finals, of course, then some premier things like signing a star player like Paul Correa. I think all these things were uh, just kept taking us up and up and the potential that maybe other cities couldn't do the same thing, like they couldn't replicate quite what we could do at an all-star event or they couldn't, uh, you know, they, they couldn't show, have a, their, their building wasn't located where ours is downtown. I mean, these are all advantages that we had that we finally got to, to use and the, you know, and, the, and the league realized that they had us in a, you know, the, the winter, the stadium series game and we we're in a winter classic game and other things like this that were certainly are going to be, you know, the, the draft last year. So we're, we, we, they, we sort of put, you know, they put us on the map, and we, in a lot of ways, helped the NHL in hockey. So I think we worked together. But, you know, the question was about the potential of the, the franchise. Uh, you heard about some of the things, but it just seemed like we, we grew together to, to bring it all together to where we are today. Yeah. David Poyle on the line with us. I, I can't wait for one day. Uh, the documentary is going to come out about just really this franchise and maybe this magical run. Somebody's going to do something on it. It's going to be really cool, and you're going to be – a big part of it. Uh, another person that'll be a big part of that will be calling his 2000th game predators game Petey. tonight. The one and only, the that. man, the myth, the legend, Pete Weber <laughs> and what him and Terry crisp have meant to this market over 25 years. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it, you know, it got to be. And you look back at uh, what I would say, our organizational charge. Of course, you've had changes on ice, of course. And, uh, and, and, and our organization as you, you grow, but we, we've really had some great foundation pieces, in my opinion, and, and Pete and Terry represent two of the most important ones because those are the guys that, until you get the, the strong identification of your, your players out there, they're really the face of your franchise. They're the guys that are broadcasting the games. Those are the guys that are going to every speaking engagement, Kiwanis Club, uh, interacting with the, the fans all, all the time, and for, for Pete, 2000 games tonight with the Predators. Fantastic. Just uh, been an outstanding job for the, for the Predators, and he certainly is one of the key faces of our franchise for all the years. David, uh, it's an honor to speak with you again, sir. I, I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, something that's happening throughout the sports world right now, uh, whether it's MTSU or whether it's the Carolina Panthers uh, in both professional sports and college sports. Teams are making decisions right now about the uh, future of their coach uh, when it comes to football because that's the season that we're kind of in for that. Uh, as someone who has done something that me and Darren have never done, and that is hired and fired a professional uh, sports team coach, how does that how does that go? What what is the 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 method that you use to know it is time to move on at head coach? Well, I I think my track record speaks for itself. Where I was. GM for 41 years, and I've only had uh, six coaches, so I've only actually uh, fired a, for, for three or four coaches, which, yes, is, sir. which is unbelievable. So my my MO, my thought process is that we're all in this together, meaning management, the coaches, and the, and the players, and just like you don't necessarily want to make a trade, you certainly don't want to make a, you know, a coaching change, and making a coaching change you know, in, in season, it has to happen sometimes. Minnesota just did that uh, yesterday. But yes. It's a desperation. It's a desperation move. It's a, it's, it's a cliche of all cliches. We can't fire 20 players, so we get rid of one, one coach. I mean, you're, you're just, you're trying to, you're trying to get something uh, going that's, that, that just hasn't been there in the first, you know, month or so of the, 
of the season. And, that, and again, I've done that a couple of times. I mean, when, uh, when uh, we brought in uh, John Hines for, you know, Peter Lavalette, I mean, Peter to me is one of the best coaches ever in the National Hockey League. He's got the Rangers in first place, you know, right now. I, I mean, I think it was, but to me, our team was supposed to be better. Uh, what we weren't living up to it. I thought maybe the message was getting a little bit stale, and I made it. You know, I made it a, a change. It was hard to bring John in at the time, and you know, it, we got a little bit better. But it's it's really those those things are really hard hard to do. You're you're desperate when you're making a decision. You know, like like that. It's 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 not just the coach's fault for sure, and I'm sure whether it be Minnesota or when you talk about those football changes, it's just not the one one person. And I think. Ideally, if it was me all the time, I would be making those changes in the offseason. Yeah. I, I want to ask you about something that we don't talk about ever, and, and, that, and that's why I want to ask you about it in particular, and that is scouts. Is, are scouts former players, or are they better front office guys? Where do you find scouts? Because truth be known, the way I see it here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, sir, they're, they're one of the most important positions on any franchise and we don't know who half of them are if any of them all the time but they're the ones bringing the information into general managers who make decisions about uh, who's going to eventually be on the team and a lot of times you don't know anything about uh, these folks who go out and scour on the road so in your mind how do you hire scouts are they better as former players who know what it's like or are they sometimes you know front office people who have been studying the game and kind of have a feeling of the game from there uh, I think scouts are coming from all different uh, areas. Of course, the majority of them have a strong hockey background, either as a player or administrator, or, or have been following hockey for for a long time. But your point of bringing it up is that it's, it's so true. Like right now with the Predators, I mean, what with we, we we had those good years as we just talked about earlier in the interview, and you know the Stanley Cup Finals, the President's Trophy, and we were a team that was in the running for the Cup, I think, for a number of years. You know, last year and my last year. We, you know, we decided along with Barry that we'd make some changes, and we we traded off a lot of very good players back home, Gramlin, Niederreiter, guys like that, to you know to hopefully uh, quickly turn this around to, to get back to being not just vying for the playoffs, but trying to be a contender for the Stanley Cup. And the people that are going to do this for us is going to be our scouts. I mean, whether it be in the pros or with uh, Barry and his management team making trades at that level, or probably. It's going to come mostly from what we do in the amateur draft. We have a lot of extra picks the next, like we had last year, and we have a lot of extra picks in the next two years. And we've got to find some some some, some great players. It's as simple as that to, to get up to be a, a top team again. And these guys are located. We have uh, we have four guys in Europe: uh, Sweden, Finland, Czechoslovakia, and Russia. We have in all over North America. We have about twelve. Uh, 12 scouts and a lot of these guys have been working for us for a number of years some are are more more recent but this is going to be our bread and butter these guys are seeing probably minimally 200 games a year and some even more than that and our top guys like jeff kelty tommy nolan on the amateur side they're they're crossover guys so they're going to europe they're going to western canada they're going to wherever the, the players are so it's it is the if i can't think of anything more important that we have to accomplish in the next two, three, or four years is to fill the cupboard with young prospects to get back up to be a contending team. So, uh, you know, we get uh, Jeff Kelsey, who's the head of his assistant manager now, but head of our scouting. He was the first-round pick at, uh, at Colorado, just to give you a quick background. 
yes, uh, we, we we traded for, and then he got uh, he got a concussion in his second year uh, playing for us, and we just kept him in the organization, and now he's assistant manager and in charge of our, our scouting. Tommy Nolan, who's the head of our amateur scouts, he came to the, tra- the Preds' first training camp as a player. He went to the University of New Hampshire, and uh, we just kept an eye on him and kind of hired him along the way as uh, almost, I think, part-time, and now he's head of our amateur scouting. So they come from a lot of different places. The first inductee into the Golden Hall, Mr. David Poyle. Mm. Did you know about this, or was this like the, the Pekka statue surprise? That was a surprise, and the more of a surprise is now I'm the chairman of that. <laughs> <laughs> it put you to work, man. It put you to work. I well, you know how hard it was to schedule this interview. You guys, I'm not. You just can't pick up the phone and just call me anytime. I'm, pretty, I'm a busy guy. So oh now, man, how cool is that? There's so many nice things that recognition the other night. My family all being there. Uh, it, it's it's just been it's just been great. I'm in a great place. Uh, happy with everything in my life. And, Certainly happy with my treatment by the Predators, the city of Nashville, and the fans, and all that. So I'm all good, and let's uh, let's get win number six tonight against the Penguins. No doubt, well deserved, by the way, uh, on your end. And I know that was a fantastic luncheon on Tuesday as well. Last week, a week ago, um, all well deserved, and we always appreciate your time, David. Thank you so much for doing this, and hopefully, win six. It will be really sweet if it's against the Penguins. Okay, McFarland. Talk to you soon. Thank you, David. Thank you, sir. DP, David Boyle, the man, the myth, the legend, as well as Pete Weber. Pete Weber on the call for his 2,000th <clears> game man. tonight for the Predators. Yeah. By the yeah. way, that's just for the Preds. That's for the Preds. Like, he's been calling games for a long time. For decades.